so that you could get to know Jesus. So that you might fall deeply, madly, unconditionally, rapturously in love and dependent on Jesus. And so that he might not be a category. He might not be a, a, a subject matter, sort of on the side, but different from all the others, right? Sort of like you had on your, in your, remember when you were in school and you had the five, uh, notes, the, 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 the binder with the five subject, the five subject binder. September's coming up pretty soon, so you're probably gonna have to get it for your kids again. And you put on one subject, math, and on the other subject, global history, and on the other subject. And then, and never do those subjects meet. They're like, safely locked away in each subject, right? Well, what we're saying is Jesus is the whole book. We're saying that Jesus created the book. Jesus was the tree that the book was made from. Jesus is the soil by which the tree found its roots. Jesus is the sun that... Jesus is everything. Like Jesus in the morning. Just in case you missed it. Jesus in the morning. Jesus in the noontime. Jesus at supper time. It's an absolute... We are freaked out. Jesus freaks. Okay? And so I'm just really, really grateful that you're here. Now, what we're going to do, that was, I usually give, like, you know, I talk about where we've gone through. If you want to hear how we got to this point today, and if you don't hear it, you should be able to follow along. But if you want to hear what we've been building up to this point, you need to go on our podcast. We have a podcast. It's called NBT Sermons, right? Or NBT Church Sermons, something like that. It's either NBT Sermons or NBT Church Sermons. And there's two up there. One works, one doesn't. Take your chances, okay? And so, but it's free, so it's pretty easy. I want you to get in on that. Now, I'm going to pray for you guys, um, and then we're going to get right into the sermon, okay? So let's, let's pray. Father, I am so grateful. I'm so grateful that you have given us your son, that there's salvation to celebrate, that you were proactive while we were yet in our sin. You made the first move while we were yet in utter despair. Even when we didn't know we were in despair, you did this. And so, Father, I just pray that in Jesus' name, you would move in a powerful way throughout this sermon, that you would speak to every life. Lord, the lives that are here, Lord, the marriages that are falling apart, would you touch those marriages? The children who are far from you, would you touch their lives? Those who are living in rebellion, those who decided to be friends with you, but not decided to make you Lord and Savior. Father, my prayer is that in a very, very big way, you would be glorified. You would be lifted up. You would be celebrated. Lord, I thank you for all that you're doing. And I do ask that you would meet each one of us in an incredibly special way. Father, remind us, remind us that the tomb is empty. There's a story to tell. That the celebration will be long. And that we can rejoice. We thank you for Jesus. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What do you put your trust in? This is a question that I've been kicking around in my mind this week. What do I put my trust in? What do I rest in for my peace? Because whatever you put your trust in, that's what you rest in for peace. Right? So it's, it's if like things are going good, you know, you put your trust. If things are going good in school, 
and you're, you know, doing well in your grades. And you're, well, you, you put your trust in your ability to study and do well in tests. If, you, if things are going well in your marriage and, you know, that's where you find peace and all of a sudden the marriage has discord and now you don't have any more peace, well, you put your trust in the unity of your home. So you put your trust, you put your trust in different things. You put your trust in, in people and in, and in work and in, isn't it true? If you're, some of us don't even have a category for praying, um, give us today our daily bread. That has never entered your mind. That has never ever come into the frontal lobe of your thinking. When you think of who provides your daily bread, you think of, well, I have a job, I go to work, I get paid, and this is what I, this is what I get in return, and that provides my daily bread. Well, my husband, my wife, uh, uh, food stamps or social services, that provides my daily bread. And if the social services get pulled out, like if you have a face-to-face, right? Or if your job gives you the pink slip, right? Or if your spouse loses their job, well then at that point, there's no more peace and, un- and there's great unrest. Why? Because all of your trust was on this thing. See, your peace flows with what you trust. So if you trust that, you know, if it's a relationship, you, you get what I'm saying. Your peace flows in whatever you put your trust in. Now, I'm going to make an argument that anything that you would put your trust in other than Jesus is not enough to get through the storms of life. Isn't it true that storms of life come? Isn't it true that there are some storms that you just cannot handle? That there are some storms that are overwhelming. There are some storms that are bigger than the things that you've put up. There are some storms that you just can't control. And the things that you've put up to give you security are just not enough. I want everybody, if you will, open your Bibles. If you've got your Bible, if you don't have your Bible, we've thought about you. It's going to come up on the screen. Um, Jesus, there was a historical event that happened thousands of years ago. And that, listen, no historical, everything that happens now. There are some stories in the Bible, but there, uh, and what I mean by that is that there are stories that, you know, they're told for a point. Like, you know, when Nathan goes to David, he tells a story for a point. That didn't actually happen. That was a story for a point, right? You know, when Nathan goes, you know, thou art the man, right? He's just telling a story to illustrate a point. And so there are, there are moments like that in the Bible. Absolutely. But then there are moments in the Bible, and, and this is the majority of the Bible. There are historic events, most of the Bible. And they're put there for a purpose. They're put there because God wants to show us something. Now, if you go to the end of the book of John, if you go to the end of the book of John, John says, many more things did Jesus do. Jesus did a ton more stuff. And if they were all written down, I suppose that there wouldn't be enough paper 
in the world to be able to contain them all. So what is John saying? John is saying what we have in the Bible is not exhaustive, but it's enough. What, what he's saying is that everything that Jesus did, we don't have it. We don't have every moment of Jesus' life. But what he's saying is it's enough for you to believe. And they're placed here by God's sovereign hand. They're placed here so that 2,000 years later, some people on the corner of Skimmerhorn and 3rd Avenue would hear a story that would bring their faith muscles, draw their faith closer to the living God. Now, if that's the case, then there is precious little room in this place for redundancy. Wouldn't you say? In other words, you, God doesn't want, you don't want God to repeat himself because you want God to teach you more and more and more. So when John says, listen, all the things that Jesus did, if we put them down on paper, the whole earth couldn't contain them. If we wrote them on scrolls, if we made the heavens a scroll and every man was a scribe and everyone wrote down all the things that Jesus did, we wouldn't have enough space in space to be able to write down the glorious wonders of our great Lord and Savior and God, Jesus Christ. So I find it peculiar that with such little room in this tiny, tiny book, that Jesus would insist on having this story by the Holy Spirit, having the story that we're about to read written three times in the same book. Why would God waste so much space? Why would he be so redundant? Why would he, why would God, if there's all this, it's not like God has to fill up the room. You know, sometimes when I speak, I'll be very honest. This is a little speaker's trick, right? When you say, you tell stories because you ain't got much to say. And so you got to, you know, you got to kill the time. Got to give people money's worth, right? <laughs> and so, and so that's a little trick in, in, in speaking. And like, you know, we, we try not to do that here. But here's the point. Jesus doesn't have this problem, Right? Jesus is not like, gosh, I better fill up this page. You know, um, you know, the, the, the New Baptist Temple is going to be reading and they, they need to see, you know, 1300 pages in the Bible, not 1299, you know, right? Jesus is not. Why would God, with all those things to say, write it three times? The same story is found in Matthew, Mark, and in Luke. Same story. Exact same story told uh, subtly different because like when you tell a story, it's different than when I tell a story, right? Like, right, I, I've heard this. You've seen people do this, right? They, t- they tell a story and you heard somebody else do it and you go, wow, I like the way the other person, why? Because there's differences, right? Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell about this story. Why? Listen, listen, why? Because peace is really, really, really important to God. And he doesn't want you to miss the point. He doesn't want you to miss what he's going to say right now. So in Mark chapter 4, we read. So you have your Bibles. If you don't have your Bibles, you have a screen up here. If you've been coming around for a while, we encourage you bring your Bibles. Why? Because it's your Bible. You should bring it. You should read it. You should open it up. Get used to finding pages in your own Bible. Get used to opening up. Get used to smelling and reading and being a part of the story of God. Okay. 
verse 35. We're going to read from verse 35 to 41. Let's get to it. On that day, stop, look up at me. This is just pregnant with information. If you didn't read, okay, by the way, um, hello, I'm so glad to see you guys. Pastor Dave Shepard, everybody give Pastor Dave Shepard a big, we love Dave Shepard. Dave Shepard rocks. I, his church is here, we're so uh, jazzed up. Dave is one of those cool dudes who will go on the street and he'll have like a survey in his hand and go up to complete strangers. Hey, we're taking a survey. And he'll ask like two legitimate questions and then get to Jesus by the third question. It's really cool. It's the coolest thing you've ever seen. It's like real bold and it's awesome. We're blessed to have his church here. I'm grateful that they're here. But check this out. Check this out. So Jesus, if you read all of chapter four, you find out that Jesus had a big ministry day, right? You think like, you know, like yesterday, right? We, we uh, put on a... Um, like a barbecue, and people came to it, and it was really cool, and, you know, we had music, and we had, you know, um, drama, and we had a sermon, and we had, you know, testimonies, and we had all this sorts of stuff, right? And when everybody left there, who had been working there from the beginning, they were tired, right? Nothing like the day that Jesus had. Nothing. Jesus is healing and preaching, and it's like, you know, you know, like, you guys get upset if I go over an hour over here, right? And it's like, <laughs> listen, it would be like, you know, God, the, the disciples would wake up and go, how long has he been preaching? And they would go, three days? <laughs> it would be like a long time, right? Like, you know, we get little snippets of his sermons, but this wasn't like, a, this wasn't like little short sermonettes. It's like, you know, this is the kind of preaching I like. <laughs> you know, take a nap. When you wake up, I'll still be talking. And uh, it's like that. I love that. We should do that here. Okay. So, so all right. So, uh, but I promise I won't be that. Well, maybe I will. All right. But here we go. So, but here's the deal. So, Jesus is preaching his heart out. Not for an hour or two, but like three, four, five, six hours. Preaching his heart. If you've ever spoken and had to, and talking, we're not talking about amplification here. I got amplification. If I had to scream this sermon, the, the sermons would probably be shorter, truly, because I mean, uh, I just couldn't do that for an hour, two hours, three hours. And Jesus did. Jesus is healing and he's giving parables and he's speaking sermons and he's loving the people and he's ministering to them and they're giving it, he's giving them counsel and he's with them and he is utterly drained. Now, you have one or two friends who if you stay with for one an hour or two, you're drained. Isn't that true? Like you love them. Don't tell the name. If they're sitting next to you, don't look at them. All right? But they drain you, right? No, it's all right. You know, we all got friends like that. Hey, listen, I'm a drain to some of my friends. It's cool. We all need that, right? Right? Isn't it true? Right? You think, don't just think of them being a drain to you. You're a drain to somebody, aren't you? Sure you are. Of course you are. We're all a drain to somebody. Jesus had thousands clamoring for his attention. He did not have as prepared a leadership as they would be in the future. He had worked his fingers to the bone. He had kissed every cheek, loved every person, spoke every word, cared for every group. He really spent himself. And so it was on that day when he was exhausted and tired and had not much more left in him. On that day, verse 35, on that day when evening had come, it's a long day. 
long day at the office, loving and healing, rebuking demons. How much energy does that take? He said to them, he being Jesus, said to his disciples, let us go across to the other side. Doesn't say there, he probably just needed a break. Quick caveat, if you're in ministry, would you recognize that ministry is not a marathon, but a series of sprints? Just, just know that, right? Just put, not, not in my notes, not in anything, just quick caveat. Ministry is a series of sprints. You gotta rest. That's why God put it in the days of the week. One day work, two day work, three day work, four day work, five day work, six day work. Rest. God made it a command. He ordered your rest. Nobody has to command me to that. I do that very well by myself. But I tell you, it's nice that God commanded it. Why? Listen, God knows that we, li- we need a rhythm. We need rest. Jesus needed rest. He was tired. Which, by the way, only goes to show, only goes to show that Jesus did not, some of you think that Jesus, some of you think that Jesus was just a man. And, you know, and he was just a really good man. He was a prophet and all that other stuff. And that's what you think. And he was really good and he teaches you. And maybe he was a little higher than us, but that's, that's about it. It's the wrong view of God. And some of you think that he's just God. And so when he came, he was play acting. Like when he was on the cross and he said, Helloi, Helloi, Lama Sabachthani. When he said that, he was just play acting. You know, my God, my God, why is that? He was just like, you know, when he was bleeding, it was just like for show. It was like ketchup, right? It was like, you know, he did, it was no, no big deal. And if you think that, you know, he's just God. And he's like, no, 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 Jesus, you and I have one nature. Jesus had two natures. How is that possible? He's God. He can do that. And so he was 100% God, not 50% God, 50% man. He was 100% God, 100% man. And this God man was tired, really, really tired. And leaving the crowd, because sometimes you just got to. Sometimes you just got to. You know, I had several emergencies. You know, and you're a pastor, you have nothing but emergencies. His life is one emergency after the other. I had a marital uh, emergency. I had someone else close to death. I had um, another uh, family receive a death in their lives. It's just, you, you can get caught up in other people's stuff in a minute. And leaving the crowd, they took with him, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him. I bet you thought that there was just one boat when you heard this story. By the way, I want you to hear this story with new ears today. Because we're going to look at it a little bit deeper, maybe a little bit more um, profound than you've looked at it before. And, And when Jesus looked, when Jesus went off in the boat, other boats went after him. We don't know how many boats. We do know this, that the boat held 12 guys. So it was a big boat. It wasn't like this little rowboat that you see in the movies, you know, like a little bigger rowboat, like a dinghy or something like that. It wasn't that. It was a bigger boat. It was obviously, and where would they get a boat like this? Well, Peter was a fisherman. These guys were fishermen, right? And so they get this boat, and it's a big boat, enough for them to rest in. They took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other, and other boats were with him. Verse 37. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, and so that the boat was already filling. A great storm arose. A fearful 
thing. An amazing... How much does a storm have to be? How much does it have to be in order to scare some fishermen who do this all whole lives? I mean, it would be something else if a storm happened now. It'd be something else if a, if a, if a thunderous storm began now. What would you say? Sounds everywhere and winds everywhere. That was supposed to help the sermon, not distract from it. But at least you heard it at the beginning, right? Okay, I'm not annoyed at all. Back to the sermon. Okay, let's go back to God's Word because these things don't work out. So there's a wind and there's waves and there's fear all over the place. There's a storm that takes the breath of fishermen away. The storm that fishermen who are already conditioned to receive storms, they're already ready. You want to talk about guys who are ready for storms? These guys are ready for storms. They've dealt with it their whole life. But this one takes them by surprise and it's more then they can take. I bet you've been there. I know your life has been tough. I bet you had some stuff go on. I bet you've been there. I bet you've been there where you're just like, you know, I think I've gone through enough. And then out of nowhere. There it is. It's almost silly to ask, where did this storm come from? It's just you're overwhelmed. These guys were fishermen. They were ready. They were conditioned to bear great storm burdens. They, well, let's see their reaction. But he, that well, but he was in the stern. Who's he here? Anybody know? Jesus. It's Jesus. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. He was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. Let me tell you a little tidbit that I found. I wouldn't have been able to find this, but I read guys who are smarter than me who tell me things like this. Um, the, in the back of the boat, the stern for us land lovers is the back of the boat. Okay? And so on the back, I didn't know that. Y'all, y'all are laughing. I didn't know. I'm a city slicker. Never, you know, I've been on a boat like maybe twice. And, you know, it, all right. So the stern is the back of the boat, right? The back of the boat where the cushion is, is where you put the non-experienced people. It's where you put the people who are just not going to help you row, who are not going to help you sail. This is the safe place to put people who are, because they're just getting in your way. Isn't it true? People just, just get in your way. You know what you're doing. They know what they're doing. They're, st- they're fishermen. Got it all under control. There's no, there's no windstorm. There's no wave. There's nothing that could happen that they can't handle. Jesus, you sit over there. Get some rest. Well, Jesus is real tired. He says, I'll take it. And he goes to sleep. And not like just like a sleep, like a snoring out and out. Dang, Jesus must have been real tired. You know, you can hear him sleeping. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. Listen to me. It's where you put, it's where you put Jesus because you just don't want him in the way of the real work that you have to do. It's, it's good to put Jesus there because quite frankly he would just get 
in the way. I mean, what does Jesus know about sailing? Right? What does Jesus know about storms? What does Jesus know about the stuff in which your life is made of? Not much. No. Here's a recommendation. Here's what I suggest. Get a nice, comfortable cushion. Put Jesus on the side. Maybe you have a picture of him on your wall. Maybe you have your Bible open to Psalm 23 in your home. You could dust the pages off because you've never moved it. And every time you open and close it, it cracks because you don't open and close your Bible. But listen, just put Jesus in the corner on the side. That's what these guys did. It worked, how did, it worked out pretty well for them, right? Maybe not. Listen, there is a sense where these men did not want to be bothered by Jesus because they didn't think he had what it took to get them to the other side. To get them to the other side, he would have been a burden, not a help. This is mildly applicable to us. You ever been there? I just, you know what? Jesus, I, I think I'll take care of this one myself. You know what, Jesus? You're just not moving fast enough. I think I'll pick him. You know what, Jesus? You're just not moving quick enough. I think I'll go out with her. You know what, Jesus? You're not providing what I need. I think I'll go do this. You know what, Jesus? I've blown it and I'm full of shame and guilt. I know what I'll do. I'll read self-help books and build up my esteem rather than you bringing me low so that I could build you up. He's in the boat. And he's not sleeping because he said, I think I'll take a nap. They put him there. And they have an interesting response after they hear him snoring. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? I want you to see the first few words of this. Because in the first few words, it just, it took my, my, my heart. and just said, because I've been here. So listen, let's, let's read the beginning of that again. Teacher, do you not What's the next word? And that's the crux of the matter, isn't it? When, you're, when you and I are going through pain, when we're going through suffering, where there's peace has flowed out of our lives, when there is nothing but fretfulness and fear and wondering and anxiety, and then the anxiety attacks come, so we come to a doctor to give us a pill, not to address the issue of anxiety, but so that we can get a, a, a medicated to get a little bit lower than we were. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. The question in our mind is this. Teacher, Jesus, they said, Rabbi, don't you care? No te importa? Isn't this important to you? Don't you care? Don't you care? My daughter is going on a way that's going to leave her with scar tissue for the rest of your life. Don't you care? My mother is laying on a bed 
of affliction. Don't you care? I have these attractions. And I don't want to act out on them. You know, I'm attracted to... You know, I want to act out with every woman I see, or I have same-sex attractions, or I just, you know, I, I, I want to be loyal to my spouse, but I just can't seem to be, and I don't want to watch these videos. Don't you care? It's when we get to that moment, when the storm is overwhelming us, and we just want out. We're sorry that we put Jesus to sleep. We're sorry that we gave him the blanket. We're sorry that we gave him the corner spot. And listen, we've all done this. Isn't it true? Right? In your dating relationships, we go, no, 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 I'll handle this. You know, and, and in this church, like this is not found in the Bible, but we, we've done this a lot. Right? So we got three, like, not, I wouldn't call them rules, but we'll call them boundaries. Three boundaries for dating people. Right? If you're young, if you're old, if you're dating. Right? Here it is. Right? Number one, <clears throat> never be in a room by yourself with someone you're dating. Right? You know what happens when you're in a room by yourself with someone who's dating? Yeah, things you regret the next day. Right. Okay. Watch this. And don't pull that, well, we're here with the little boy. Because little boys go to sleep and hurricanes can't wake them up. Right? So no, don't do that. Second thing we say to people, right, is we say, we say, no dirty talk. What we mean by that is no coarse joking, right? You, you know, and, and like, like boys, this is in the air boys breathe. If you're a 15, 16, if you're a 13, if you're a teenage boy, this is in the air that you breathe. It's, it's, it's not funny only to you, but like, right? And so you just go, you know, you see a carrot and you know, that's what she said, you know, jokes like that and just like stupid and it, those are sexually laced jokes. We say, don't do that. No dirty talk. Obviously don't, you know, do more graphic stuff, but don't do that stuff either, right? And then we say, and this is the one that everybody loves, um, no open mouth kissing, right? Yeah, and some of y'all laugh because you're like, I ain't going to do that, boy. You keep on preaching, preacher. You just lost me. Watch this. Watch this. Here's the reason we say no open mouth kissing, right? Every guy here who's ever open mouth kissed a girl and did not want it to go further was just totally satisfied with the open mouth kiss. Please stand right now. Yeah, right. 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 So now watch this. So we tell them we have the boundaries, right? So when you've broken every boundary, right? When you said, nah, Jesus, the pastor's crazy. I'm not going to put up these boundaries. It's just one cup of coffee. How bad is one cup of coffee? How bad can one cup of coffee be? You start off with coffee and you're making breakfast and you wonder, how did I get here? And then, and, and you just put Jesus on the side, and you go, well, we'll just put on a condom. We'll just put on a condom. He's not my husband. And then you're pregnant because the condom busted, and you're going, but I don't want to be with her on the rest of your life. Well, you shouldn't have put Jesus on the cushion. Can we agree that putting Jesus on the cushion is a bad idea? You're overwhelmed with emotional anxiety. Can we just agree that this is not a good time to put Jesus on a cushion in the corner to sleep? Can we just agree with that? Well, but the good news is this. Thank you for that one person who got that. It's okay. By the way, preachers, it's okay for preachers to get an amen or a class. It's all right. You know, it's encouraging. It lets us know we're on track, all right? All right. But after you've put him there, and you've just about messed up your life, and you've just done about everything you could 
And you know, you're blaming your relapse on Jesus and you're blaming the destruction of your marriage on Jesus and you're blaming the fact that you got three kids by three different spouses on Jesus. And, and, and after you've done all you can do, there's a point where we go, don't you care? Don't you care? Can't you see me? And if Jesus was anything like me, he would say like this, I told you not to do that. I wrote it in a book 2,000 years ago so you wouldn't miss it. I had you go to that silly church where the guy couldn't shave and he told you that you needed to obey me. I told you that. And, but Jesus, Jesus is not like me. Aren't you glad? In all the movies I've ever seen, he can shave. It's a nice beard that he has. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? I love these next three words. Would you read these next three words with me? And he awoke. I want you to just focus on that until the hairs on your arms start standing up. And in the nick of time, just when the divorce papers were about to sign, and just when we thought the kid had just about done in, and at the moment where all was lost, when I ran to him, he ran faster to me. When I came to him, came faster to me. Now, this is not a good philosophy of ministry. This is not a good philosophy of doing relationship with Jesus. I just, so, I just prefer that you put Jesus at the head, captain of the ship. Let him call the shots. Life will be easier that way. But aren't you glad? And he awoke. And he awoke. I remember. My mother, uh, who's been sick her whole life, my whole life, not her whole life, my whole life. And, um, and I remember the doctor telling me, we've done just about all we can do. I remember being on the ground floor of Woodhall. She was in the IC unit. And I just couldn't go up because I couldn't stop. I'm really good at stopping myself from crying. I grew up that way. And I couldn't stop myself from crying. And it was, I tell you, it was a scary, but it was like Jesus showed up. I remember another day. It was a winter day. I didn't even, I got the call. They said the police, my mother has um, emotional and mental issues. The police are at your house, and they're going to take her away. I've been to the places where they take her. I, I'm not going to let her, that happen. I don't have socks on. It's snow out. I'm running to my mother's house. And I tell my mother, I look her in the eye, and I say, I'm not going to let them take you. And I went with her. 
and I was with them in the doctor's office, and I tried to, you know, just deflect her, and I just said, look at me, look at me, but she was acting so erratic. I was like, just look at me, just look at me. I was just trying. The storm was overwhelming, and I was just trying to control every moment. The doctor would write something. I would ask him what he wrote. Just trying to, but you, how many know? You just can't control the waves. How many here know that no matter how hard you, you can't stand against the wave? And in the end, they took her inside. And I knew I was going to, I had a very strong urge to take the metal chair and take it through the, break it through the window and then start saying that I'm going to kill myself so that they would let me in the room with her. Because I knew the kind of abuse that was going to happen in that place. You ever been there? Where all of your ideas are wrong and bad and you are just suffering and you all you want is for the storm to end. And I was so angry. I mean, I was angry that I couldn't even receive a hello from someone. I couldn't receive a smile. Have you ever been to that point where you just, you don't even, it's not healthy, it's not good, but it's just a violent anger. And I walked downstairs. And there was this, there's an African lady with really big glasses, really big, dark, dark, dark glasses, kind of, you know, those B glasses that are now in style but weren't in style back then. And um, really, really big glasses. And listen to me, listen to me. And from her face, it was just stoic. I just, I couldn't see her eyebrows. Just, and then I just saw a tear run down her face. And it was as if Jesus said, Edwin, it's okay to cry. I'll be with her. And it was as if Jesus had awoke. It was as if I was trying to argue with the police officers and I was trying to fight with the doctors and I was telling the nurses' aides to get their hands off of my mother and I was just fighting all over the place. And it wasn't until I said, don't you, don't you care that she's going? Don't you see? It was in that moment that I sensed him awake. And he said, I'll do it. I'll go in with her. You can't go in with her. I'll go in with her. And I cried that day. And I cried and I cried. And I cried and I cried. And I cried and I cried. I just wept. Because Jesus would be with. He awoke. And he awoke. Listen to me, beloved. Don't stop calling on Jesus until you sense him. Awake. Yeah, I know, you've put him in the cushion too long. You've put him away for so long. You think he'll never work in your life. You think he'll never address your fear. Listen, consequences do come. But there's a way that Jesus walks with you through the storm. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace! Be still! And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. 
I love this part. The, the translators don't do this justice. Jesus goes up to the storm and he says, Shut up! It's true. It's exactly what he says. I'm not making that up. It's in the Greek. He says, he says, he says, be quiet. Shut up. Jesus comes and he sees the overwhelming things, enough to scare people with a lot of experience who've been through storms before. And he comes up and he says, shut up. Stop it. Would you believe that they do? Would you believe that when Jesus comes on the scene and says, shut up, everything shuts up? Except, of course, the disciples who have nothing to do but to ask questions. Um, And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. I love this, because that could have been just a coincidence, right? You go, well, that was just a coincidence. Jesus goes, shut up, and all of a sudden the wind... But you know when you have a big storm, right, that the waves go on for hours, sometimes days, right? When you have a big storm, the waves come in for a long time. I love this, because when it says, and everything was calm, it means like the lake became like glass. It's just like perfect stillness. Peace. Peace is what happened. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? (laughs) To which I go, what? Why am I so afraid? Why are you so afraid? How about you? Why are you so afraid? Don't you understand? I was putting all my hopes and my dreams on this paycheck and now it's no longer... Oh, okay, I'll just go back to my cushion. Don't you understand? I was putting all my hopes and dreams on this, on this woman. Oh, okay, I'll just be over here in the cushion. Don't you understand? Why are you so afraid? I was putting all my hopes and dreams in getting into this school, getting this job, doing this. I was putting all my hopes and dreams on my ability to stay healthy. I was putting all of my hopes and dreams on my diet and my health plan. I thought I was going to be healthy for 90 years. And when the doctor said cancer, I didn't know what to do. I was putting all my hopes and dreams on my metabolism. I'll just, I'll be here when you need me. I'm just going to take a nap. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Have you still no faith? Now, if you read this like I read it, I thought Jesus was being too harsh. I mean, don't you think like, all right, come on, dude. (laughs) It's a really big storm. Cut us some slack. Like, I get scared crossing the street. These guys get scared, you know, when a really big storm. So we should cut them some slack. But not... Not if you've been with Jesus as long as they've been with Jesus. You hear me? Not if you've been with Jesus. They've seen some stuff. They've experienced some moments. They've, listen to me, not if you've been with Jesus. Almost like, okay, you won't understand this if you don't have any parents, but you could almost, you can almost put it towards any relationship, right? Um, have, you know, you got kids, right? And, or with, you know, with your spouse or whatever. 
and your kids, you go like this. You say, you know, uh, you know, they ask you for something, what do you do? You give it to them. And then they ask you for something else, and what do you do? You give it to them. And then they ask you for something else, and what do you do? You give it to them. Right? And then they ask for something, and what happens? You go, I'm not going to give it to you. And then they respond, <laughs> they respond like this. That's not fair. You mean me giving you everything you wanted up to this point? That's not fair. And then here's they say, if they're very bold. You don't love me. Let me tell you something. That is not a moment as a parent for you to come down and go, Oh, mendito. Tell me about that. You know, tell me. Why would you say, don't say that. Mommy loves you. Daddy loves you. That's not a time. Listen, listen. Let me, let me tell you what time that is. That time is to go up to your child and say, you must stop speaking like that. If you do not understand that I love you, then everything that I've done to you is a mystery. Everything that I've done for you is a mystery to you. You've never understood my love. That is not the moment for little platitudes and little kind little things. That is the moment for a strong rebuke. Because if you've seen all that I've done for you, in the moment of the storm, there should be some sense of understanding. Oh, he cares. He cares. He loves me. I don't know why I'm going through this storm. I don't know why it's so bad. I don't know why the relationship is falling apart. I don't know why the kids are going so wayward. I don't know why my health is going to pot. I don't know why. I don't know why. But, 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 however, I... I know what it doesn't mean. I know that it doesn't mean he doesn't love me. I know what it doesn't mean. I know it doesn't mean that he doesn't care for me. I know what it doesn't mean. I know it doesn't mean that he's not here with me. Going through the waves. Going through the motions. Going, experiencing the storm. I know what it doesn't mean. I'm not sure what it means. But at least I know what it doesn't mean. I want you to listen to this song. We have this precious little song. And what I want you to think about is the storms that you've been in or the storms that you're in. Because we're talking about peace today. And we're really going to... But listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Even when you can't... Listen to me. Even when you can't trace his hand, will you trust his heart? Even when you don't understand what he's doing, will you, listen, man, I thought I, for sure I was going to get that kidney. For sure I was going to get that operation. For sure the, the counseling was supposed to bring them back. For sure the kids were supposed to come back. But they're not getting better. They're getting worse. For sure. Oh, listen. Listen. Will, can Jesus be trusted? Listen, can Jesus be trusted in the difficulty? When tears are rolling, listen to me. Not trusted to necessarily give you what you want. That's not the kind of trust we're talking about. That's, that's a different kind of relationship. But trust you to get through to the other side, even when there are terrible storms on the way. Can Jesus be trusted? Can Jesus be trusted to get you 
to that safe place when everything is falling off? Can Jesus be trusted when the husband says divorce, when the wife says, I'm having an affair, when the kids say, I'm never going to come to the Lord ever? Can Jesus be trusted? I got a song. I want you to listen to this song. I'm going to come back up. And I'm going to explain to you some stuff here that's just so powerful. I just want you to hear. And then we're going to use some practical application on how to apply it in our life. But right now, I just want you to listen to this song. It's, a, it's, it's on a track. And it's uh, by a guy named Donnie McClurkin. And he's going to sing this song. And you can just read the words. And you can just watch this. Whatever. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to just take whatever you have that you are holding so tight onto, that you are trying to control, that you're trying. Here's what I want you to do. I just want you to go like this. With one hand, I want you to tap on Jesus' shoulder, wake him up, and give it to him. You've, you've let him in that cushion for too long. You've let him in that cushion for too long. Just go, Jesus. Here. Here you go. Take this. Here you go. I've been waiting for you to do that. Just as you listen to the song, listen with that kind of heart, with that kind of humility, and we'll come back and we'll put some practical application to this talk. Trust me. What if you call me and don't feel me near you? Will you still trust me? What if I tell you to let go of the very thing that you think you have to hold? Will you trust me? Yes. I'll trust you, Lord. What if it costs my life? Yes. I'll trust you, Lord. What if I lose the very thing I love so dear? Yes. Somebody say, yes, I'll trust you, Lord. Somebody say, yes. Come on, put your hands up and say, yes, I'll trust you. I'll, I'll trust you. I'll trust you. hear Jesus singing. He says this.
see something. Jesus in this story is not just doing a miracle for these men. He's proclaiming his divinity. He's proclaiming his God. Listen to me. All throughout ancient history, the only one who could control the seas is God. All throughout history. This is written about in 
in Bible literature and outside Bible literature. The only one, because the, they had nothing. That, listen, even today, we really don't have anything that compares to like a typhoon, right? Like the atom bomb doesn't compare to like a, 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 a typhoon. Like, you know, natural disasters still are hurricanes. Natural disasters still are the most fierce thing that you could see. Nothing really does compare to it. And you don't know until you've like, you know, you've actually been in one where you see it like 50, 60 miles away and the winds are like a hundred and something miles an hour and they're hitting you and you're like, wow, this is going to rip the roof off or this is going to take the house, it's going to rip trees out, right? It's, listen, listen. There was nothing that was more frightening, nothing that was more terrible, nothing that was more scary, nothing that was more powerful, nothing like the storm. Jesus calmed the storm. Listen to what they say. Listen to what the Bible says in Psalm 107, 29. It, the entire Psalm is speaking about the greatness of God, about the bigness, the power, the majesty of God. And listen to what it says in Psalm 107, 29. He made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. Reminder of anyone? It was as if Jesus reached back into the ancient Hebrew literature and said, Psalm 107, 29, and just shut the mouth of the storm. What are we saying? We're saying that there's no problem that you've gone through. No difficulty that you've experienced. No pain. You go, but I don't know if Jesus is going to take, is going to carry. And again, Jesus being with you, giving you peace throughout the storm is not like Jesus giving you what you want. Does, is that, can I, because uh, I know you're going to go home and you're going to turn on the TV and you're going to listen to people from different states tell you foolish, foolish, foolish things. Like if you just believe, you'll receive. And if you just Say it, then it'll happen. Or if you just, like, you're just going to believe these unbiblical ideas, and I want to spare you from that. You know why? Because then, when, it, when things don't happen the way you want, the way those false prophets have told you they were going to happen, you know what you'll do? You'll think Jesus did that. And I just want you to know that sometimes, sometimes the divorce is final. And Jesus calms the storm. In your heart, throughout it, sometimes, sometimes the foreclosure goes through, and Jesus gives you. Listen to me. I thought that Jesus was going to calm the storm by finding me a place to stay. He left me homeless for two years. What does that mean? It means that He gave me the grace to suffer through. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? You can trust Him. Peace comes through trust. But if you are trusting in other things, you know what trusting is like? Trusting is like leaning. It's like leaning. And so here's this thing that you lean on. You go, do, 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 do. When everything is going right, you know, you lean into it. And you go, oh, everything's just going great. Everything is going wonderful. Everything is. And then it gets pulled out from under you. And you go, what do I trust? Here's an idea. Jesus. Listen, if you're in a storm right now and you're saying to yourself, I don't know if I can trust Jesus. I don't, here's what I want you to think about. Listen to me. 
It's the God. Listen. If Jesus went through the greatest storm and conquered, bowed his head on that tree and conquered sin, death, and eternity, conquered it all on the cross, you could not be reconciled to God on your own. And the greatest problem that you had was not the issues that you face right now. The greatest problem that you had was being eternally separated from the one true living God. And he faced that storm for you head on with no help and took the brunt of the punishment and the suffering on himself. How can he not help you? the storms of your life. If he who knew no sin became sin for you, that's the gospel, beloved. It's the good news. Because he's done this, you can trust him. You can trust him. Listen, you know what this looks like? Here's, Here's what I want you to do this week. I want you in every instance, every moment, every situation, I want you to trust Jesus. Oh no, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. By the way, Trusting, which by the way begets peace, doesn't mean that you do nothing. Here's what I want you to practice. And by the way, it also doesn't mean, well, if you want to see a miracle, you need to bring a shovel. Tell that to the disciples. You want to see a miracle, just shovel some water out. Then Jesus will get up. No, that's stupid. That's platitudes. That's, that's, that's dumb spiritual nonsense that you hear in America today. No, if you want to see a miracle... You don't bring a shovel. Jesus doesn't need your help. Quite frankly, you're a bad shoveler. So listen. Listen to me. But if you want, let Jesus lead. Jesus, what do I do? He'll go, all right, I want you to, I want you to finish your resume, update it, and then I want you to send it out to 100 people. Will you do that for me, Edwin? Absolutely, Jesus. And you're spirit-led. And you go, and you, and you put in the resume. And you go, Jesus, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to take the medication or not take the medication? There's some risks involved in that. I want you to like, not trust in your medication. I want you to trust in me to heal you. So I'm going to give you the medication, but I don't want your trust to change. You see how pretty that is? Jesus, I don't know where the bills are going to come from. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to be able to call the bank, tell them, that you're not going to be able to pay to give you some slack to maybe reduce the rate and then I'll, I'll give you, I'll let you go through. Jesus, what do you want me to do? It's resting, trusting, believing in Jesus, knowing. Listen, I did this one time with a bunch of young ladies because they were just choosing, they were just sleeping in everybody's bed and I just told them this is going to hurt you really bad. It's going to harm you when you get married. It's going to harm you when you and so they were doing this and it was like six years ago or something like that and I was telling all these different girls, I was like, do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin? And they go, absolutely. Do you believe that he bought, uh, paid the price um, to give you eternity in heaven? Absolutely. Do you believe that there's a heaven at all? Yeah, absolutely. Do you believe that you'll reign there if you put your trust in Jesus? Absolutely. Do you believe that because of that you're not going to go to hell but you're going to be in the ever-loving ever arms of Christ. Absolutely. Okay, do you believe that Jesus knows what husband you should have? Eh. We can trust Jesus for the things that we've got no control over anyway. It's just silly. Oh, Jesus, look, I'm going to trust you for heaven. What other choice do you have? 
Like, could you imagine Jesus listening to that? Oh my gosh, it's so much. Wait, you had no other option. Jesus, I'm going to trust you for where I go after I die. And plan B was what? Jesus, I'm going to trust them for all these things that are out there. No, let me tell you where real peace comes from. Jesus will be your peace if you trust him for the practical things of life. Jesus, will you bring the right spouse to me? Jesus, will you help? Listen, I don't want you to trust in false idols. If you do this, there can be tears coming down your face and peace swelling up in your heart. People, let me tell you, if you do this, I'm going to warn you. If you do this, people will want to get you out of it. Here's what they'll do. They'll go up to you and they'll go, and you'll be like in perfect peace. You'll have the calm, the peace of Jesus. He's calmed the storm. By, by the way, the waves are still thrashing around, but he's giving you a calmness in the storm. Right? I, I, you know, Jesus gave me a calmness and like one year after I stopped fretting, one year and four months into my homeless, into the homeless lesson he was giving me, <laughs> he said, he gave me a peace that I just didn't understand. And people would come up to me and say, it's like you don't care. You're just like, you know, well, what about that? And they would tell me things that I don't think, that they don't think I know. Yeah, but what about your mother? And what about the house? And what about the money? And what about this? I go, listen, I know all of that and I know more. I know more than you do. I'm not, I'm not trusting. I'm not trusting some false God who can't produce. I'm not trusting some wall that has no foundation. I'm putting my feet on the rock. And his name is Jesus. If he can face sin, death, and hell, he can face your problem. Give it to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, you're an amazing God. And I thank you for sending us Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for being obedient to the Father. I thank you for being Jesus. I thank you for being God. And Lord, for loving us the way you do. And being with us and caring for us. Jesus, would you, would you remind us about this? That we should trust you. That we would trust you. That we would ask you, what do you want me to do, oh God, in humble submission? And we would do that, even if it sounds hard, even if it sounds scary, even if we're too prideful to do it, that we would trust you. And that in trusting you, you would give us peace. Oh God, that not that no waves would happen to get from where we are to our destination, but that when the waves come, you would bring peace. Peace into our hearts. Peace, maybe even in the circumstances but definitely peace in our minds and peace in our hearts and peace with you and peace in our souls. So, Father, I pray for every man. I pray for those who are fretting because they lost their job. I pray for those who have relapsed and haven't told anybody. I pray for those whose marriages are falling apart. I pray for those whose kids are just going insane. I pray for those whose health are failing. I pray for those who have just come to church for the first time because the wheels are falling off on their life. Lord, would you let them hear that it's Jesus that they need. And Jesus, who not only gives peace, is peace. Lord, I pray for all of those here that they would receive that. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want you to open up. You have a yellow card either in your bulletin or in front of you. You have a pencil.